Look, I, I want to share some stuff tonight, and, and, and on today, as a matter of fact, it had nothing to do with this message, but I felt I needed to share this tonight. Wednesday night is usually the faithful. You know, and I'm not saying you're not faithful if you don't come on Wednesday, but Wednesday night is, how many of you, you kind of pushed to get here tonight? Maybe it was, yeah, come on, you know, we look, we, we come to church, but boy, you push to get here. Because you want to be in church, you want to be in the fellowship, but how many of you know how many devils come against you? You know, throughout the day, throughout the week, and you get to Wednesday night, and it's like, man, i got to push to get here. And as I was preparing for this message, I just, I just thought of something. I thought of three words, and I'm not going to preach all of them, but I'm just going to talk about them. I thought of justification, sanctification, and glorification. How many Christians in the service tonight? I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm Christian, I'm going to heaven. Well, the Bible says you've been justified in Christ. You know what that word justified means? It's like, just as I have never sinned. How many of you thank God he took your sins and cast them as far as his east is from the west? Even if you kicked the cat this morning, he cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. How many of you had an argument with your wife, your husband? He cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. You've been justified in Christ, just as if you never sinned. I don't know how many of you feel liberated just by that statement. I don't know about you, but sin tries to hinder our Christian walk. Sin tries to cause us to take a detour. But we've been justified in Christ. And we've also been sanctified. And sanctified is more of the present state. We've been justified from the past sins. We've been justified from our sins. We are sanctified in a present state. And one day, we will be glorified. How many of you thank God that one day when all is said and done, you and I will enjoy heaven? You know, you, you sang about it tonight. You sang about heaven. You must believe in it if you sang that long. Say, look, so I mean, you know, when you, I don't know about you, but when I was going to some religious churches, you didn't sing that many songs. You sang two hymns. And you sat down. That's why some people come into church and say, I know I was one of them. Brother Kelly, I come into a full gospel church, and I wonder, how can those people stay two hours in church? How many of you can stay even longer in church? Because of what the Lord has done. You sense the Lord's presence. One day you and I will receive glorification like never before. Tonight you said, show me your glory, Lord. That was your song. Anybody remember it? What if he was to show you his glory? You'd be like John, a dead man. If he was to show you his full glory. And you know where you're going to see that full glory? Where you can really receive it. God will give a body fit for heaven. And you'll be able to see the Lord's glory. God will give us something for saints. I'm telling you, it's something to wait for. But let me share something with you. How many of you have ever wanted to throw in the towel in this Christian race? Even though you see a heaven... Even though you know you've been justified and your sins have been forgiven, how many of you ever wanted to throw in the towel? Come on, you lie, you fry, you're in church. Some of you wanted to throw in the towel today. 
Some of you wanted to throw in the towel Sunday. Some of you wanted to throw in the towel because the bills wasn't paid. Some of you wanted to throw in the towel because my husband ain't treating me right. My wife ain't treating me right. Today we're hearing about relationships that are breaking up in church. Because people want to throw in the towel too soon. And we throw in the towel, and I want to share some things with you on a four-letter word. It's called fast. F-A-S-T. Paul encouraged a man not to throw in the towel. I'm going to talk about that in 2 Timothy. Before I do that, I want to talk about two, two scriptures. In John 17, 7, Jesus in his priestly prayer said, Father, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Church, you and I live in a sanctification process. God has allowed this sanctification process, if you will, to sanctify us day by day by day by day. Sanctification is God's process of setting us apart for a blessing. God wants to set his people apart for a blessing. But sanctification is also a process for people or his people to set themselves apart to be blessed by God. How many of you know we have a responsibility? Sanctification is a process wherein God wants to set his people apart for a blessing. But sanctification is a process for you and I that we might set ourselves apart, that we might be blessed by God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, God says, come out from among them, and he's talking about the world. How many of you are thankful God pulled you out of the world? God saved your soul. God pulled Christine and I out of Boo Boo's nightclub. We love the nightclubs. It's amazing. Why, why do you think they call them nightclubs? <laughs> Thank God for the day clubs. <laughs> Thank God that the light is on. But God took us out of the dark, if you will. God said, come out from among them. Come out from jitterbugging, son. <laughs> come out from the nightclubs. Come out from the darkness into the light. And then he said, touch not the unclean thing. And then I'll receive you. And I'll be unto you a father. And you shall be unto me sons and daughters, says the Lord. How many of you thank God that God has separated you as his daughter and his son? And even with all that privilege, even with all the privilege that God has given us, I mean, if you would be honest and say, there have been times I've wanted to give up. There have been times I wanted to throw in the towel in this race. Because I tell people all the time, this race is not for cowards. This race is not for the weak. This race is going to be for the ones that persevere for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank God that he has given us, if you will, an instruction manual to stay in the race. I want to stay in the race. I don't want to throw in the towel. Paul wrote to a young Timothy who was probably wanting to throw in the towel. Probably wanted to give in to some things because Paul had to encourage Timothy. And Timothy was a young man about 16, 17 years old that Paul had to rear in the scriptures. Paul had to mentor, if you will, but 
Timothy was raised in church. Timothy grew up under the Old Testament. And Paul had to be the one to say, Timothy, don't throw in the towel. Though times are rough, and, and one of the things that he had to tell Timothy, Timothy, flee fornication, not adultery, because Timothy wasn't married. Fornication is sex between two single people. He told Timothy, flee fornication, Timothy. He also told Timothy, study to show yourself approved, Timothy. Some of the things Paul had to tell Timothy, he had to let him know, Timothy, don't throw in the towel. How many of you would be honest and you've never been raised in a Christian home? Or you wasn't, you didn't have a Christian upbringing? I might have had a good upbringing. My daddy raised 13 kids, but I was in a religious church. They dropped us off at church. As a matter of fact, I was going to be a Catholic priest. I was going into the priesthood. I was going into the seminary. I was looking at, yeah, I'm going to be a, a priest. And uh, then I found out you had to be celibate. And I said, uh-uh, not me. That ain't, that ain't my line. I'm, I'm not going down that track. So I got out of it. <laughs> I got away from it. And then I went into reincarnation for two years. And I thank God for a brother that persevered. A brother, my own biological brother, persevered, shared the gospel, shared the gospel, shared the gospel, and I surrendered to Jesus. Even in surrendering to the Lord, and I made a commitment, Lord, if you show me who you are, I'll live for you all the days of my life. There have been some times to where the enemy will try to come and discourage you to throw in the towel. I tried throwing in the towel in the ministry three or four times. It came, come, it came back in my lap. I didn't think I had anything good to share with the inmates. I'm done. I didn't think I was in, I was inadequate. I felt I was inadequate. I felt I couldn't do the job. I was done. Every time I felt I couldn't do it, God kept dealing with me. Get back in the race. Get back in the race. And I thank God that I stayed in the race. Today we're seeing men and women of God. I'm talking about soldiers. These people you saw in the video, just not people on the screen. They're soldiers. At one time, you saw that big man with the grizzly bear at the front? This man used to shoot up the barrooms with shotguns. He'd clean up the barroom. Walk around with AK-47s in his neighborhood. People I run with, they got that other guy, the little blonde-haired guy with the, with the big beard. This guy here used to run with the Latin kings. Bunch of gangs. Today, soldiers for Jesus. <laughs> you know, soldiers for the Lord and once again, how many of you thank God he saved you? But he saved you to fight. He didn't save us to throw in the towel. Look, I thank God that I got a fighter right here. When I met for Christine, I heard she had a woman's face in the gravel. I should have ran away from her, but I ran toward her, and God made her, took a mess and turned it into a message. For five years, we lived without Jesus in our marriage. Don't tell me your marriage can't work. Good look, I'm telling you, I dropped Christine off at her mom's house and said, you can have her like a dog. God took a mess and turned it into a message. And today we do marriage seminars. Teach husbands how to, you know, love your wife. Snuggle in your struggle. Tide is right as long as you're in the light. You know? I ain't going to preach a marriage seminar tonight. I'll leave that alone. But I do want to talk about three, a four-letter word. It's called fast. F-A-S-T. And I don't know if he can put it on the screen. 
in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you can, I'm going to talk about the first eight verses. And if you will, turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Starting at verse 1. He said, you therefore, my son. Well, it's amazing the, re- the re- relationship he had with Timothy. He said, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I just want to stop there. It's the very first portion of scripture. I'm going to uh, actually spell fast backwards. F-A-S-T, if you're one that writes, maybe some notes. The letter uh, T is for teachers. How many teachers in the crowd tonight? As a matter of fact, every one of you should raise your hand. Because a teacher teaches what they know. Each and every one of you are a teacher. You teach what you know. You, know, you might say, no, Brother Russell, I don't stand behind a pulpit. I don't stand behind a desk. No, you don't. But you teach what you know. A teacher teaches what they know to the people that are following them. So I want to encourage you, teach your students well. Paul called Timothy. He said, Timothy, find faithful teachers. And that's why I say Wednesday night I find more faithful people. I thank God for those Wednesday night services, those hump services where it's hard to get here. But you press through. Because you're going to be faithful to the one who called you. You're going to be faithful as a teacher. Because you know what? You come into church, you're blessing somebody by being here. Coming to church is not about you getting the blessing. It's about you blessing somebody else. How many of you, when you come here, you meet a friend that's a family member in this church. And you hug. (laughs) You hug that person like you don't hug your family, really. I come from a big family, family of 13. We had 200 and somewhat people in a reunion. But I don't hug them like I hug the body of Christ. There's something about the body of Christ. But let me let you know something, body of Christ. We are called as teachers. As a matter of fact, if somebody could give me a shout out on maybe the first scripture you heard when you were saved. Anybody know it? Jesus wept. Where is it? John chapter 11, what? That's all right. That's okay. Verse 35. Give me another. Somebody give me a scripture. What was your favorite scripture? No weapons formed against you shall prosper. Where's that at? At, Say it a little louder. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Somebody else. By the way, it's a closed book test. Don't start looking at your Bible now. What? What does John 3.16 say? Amen. Amen. Somebody else. Scripture. Come on, house. Come on, church. Joshua 1.9 says what? Be what in courageous? Courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Fear not, for my God is with you. Let me let you know what y'all just did. You taught somebody maybe something they need to hear tonight. 
Maybe you sowed a seed in somebody's life. They maybe needed to hear, God so loves the world. He gave his only begotten son. How many of you need to hear, be strong and courageous? Come on, we live in a wicked world. That was seed sown in a harvest field. One of the greatest things you can do as a teacher is teach what you know. Fail to teach, we're giving a generation junk food and not manna from heaven. Today we have a generation starving for the word of God. Starving for the word of God. As a matter of fact, we'll go in juvenile facilities, they don't even know who Adam and Eve is. Starving for the word of God. In our classrooms today, they're being taught by other religions, and Christians got to stay silent. It's happening in America, church. But if you don't take a stand as a teacher, give your students to the devil, and he'll teach them. You're the sum total of everything you've been exposed to. I thank God for godly teachers. I thank God for godly teachers who are not afraid to step in my face and say, that's wrong, Brother Russell. I tell people all the time, prison has been a barbed wire college for me. I've not gone to the big seminaries and paid thousands of dollars. I've gone to barbed wire colleges and had inmates teach me that have been in the Word. I would pray, pre- preach something and say, Brother Russell, that ain't in the Word. And those teachers would teach what they know. And teach it to a man, and I thank God in 37 years, I've been able to accept instruction from men of God behind prison walls. But I want to accept instruction so I can teach others how to be faithful. Not to throw in the towel. Teachers teach what they know. I just want to throw a few things. Teachers teach what they know, and teachers should teach truth. Teachers should teach truth. How many of you are having a hard time with the education system today? Because some of the stuff that's being taught ain't truth. Teachers are called to teach truth. Paul told Timothy, he said, The things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, teach others also. And when Paul was encouraging Timothy to teach others also, Paul was reaching four generations. I can't encourage you enough to find somebody to start teaching. Teach him John 3.16. Teach him Joshua 1.9. Teach him what you know. Because too many people are teaching them and it's not inside God's word. Don't throw in the towel because you don't think you know enough. If anybody didn't know enough when I entered into the prison, it was Brother Russell. I had 10th grade education, gone into the 11th grade, and I ended up getting my GED, didn't finish high school. Mom and dad, mom died when I was 12, dad died when I was 14. Ended up having to go into the workforce, quit school. Didn't feel like the brainiac. But I thank God for the Bible college. My Bob Wire college challenged me to teach very little, here little. Then I'd learn another scripture. I'd learn another scripture. And today we're teaching classes all over Louisiana. 
Look, I could tell you about another. My wife, as a matter of fact, when I first met her, she didn't know the scriptures. She'd come to me and she'd say, baby, you, you seem to have learned the scriptures so fast. And I, I can't memorize them. She even had a hard time with John 3.16, the golden text of scripture. And she would come to me and say, you memorize it so well. And, and, and look, and then she took a challenge upon herself to learn the word and meditate upon the word. And today we do what is called a Roman road test with, the, with our, our leaders. And, and we train them according to the Roman road. And she's the one who wrote the test. And people take the test and they come to me and say, man, why y'all put that test in there? I said, don't blame me, blame my wife. She's the one who put it together. But church, we gotta, we gotta learn how to teach others. Look, I thank God y'all have those life groups, like Kelly said. The life groups is where you put the nuts and bolts together. You know, the, the, don't just sit here. Church, we got a harvest field to reach. By the way, it's on your job site. I gotta go through this fairly quickly. My time is almost up. F-A-S-T, and I'm not going to camp out. The second word the, the second word I'm going to talk about is soldiers. It's the word S. Paul told Timothy as a soldier, he said, endure hardness as a good soldier. And if you and I have entered that military, if you will, it's spiritual warfare. But you got to know your weapon. I see too many Christians today trying to go against the devil with the pastor's sermon because they heard a good song on the radio. You're not going to fight the devil with a song or the pastor's sermon. You're going to fight the devil with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I can't challenge people enough to learn the Word. I can't challenge people enough to get in the Word and study the Word. Once again, he told Timothy, endure hardness, Timothy, as a good soldier. The next word he told Timothy was an athlete. The word A, the letter A. He said, no athlete that competes in the race. When he competes in the race, he, might, he needs to make sure he sticks to the rules. There's rules in Christianity, church. And don't break them. Because you might want to start out as a good soldier, good teacher, good farmer. You might want to start out on all of those. But if you break rules, you disqualify yourself in the race. He said, that person that's an athlete, he competes according to the rules so he can get the crown. How many of you know what the crown is? By the way, the crown is souls. The crown is souls. I'm competing and sticking with the rules in the, in the race because I want to win souls. On the day of judgment, God's going to want to see, where's the souls? Where's the souls? I saved you for souls. I didn't save you to sit. I saved you for souls. Don't turn in the towel. Don't go the other way. I saved you for souls. I mean, you thank God somebody pressed for you. I saved you for a soul. For the souls. And by the way, the only thing that can save a soul is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You didn't get saved by nothing else. If you got saved by anything else but the gospel, find out if your salvation is real. This gospel was paid with blood. This gospel is not a cheap book. I wish I had more time to preach. Last thing he talked about, he said, I called you to be a teacher. I called you to be an athlete. 
I called you to be a, a soldier. Now I'm calling you to be a farmer. And there's two things a farmer does. He sows the seed. He harvests the crop. Tonight I asked about seeds. And y'all gave it around the, the whole auditorium. Seed sown in a harvest field for God in God's church. But how many of us are going to sow a seed in the harvest field in God's world? Fail to sow the seed? Crop failure. Don't expect for souls if you're not sowing seed. By the way, God gave you a cell phone to sow seed. He didn't give you a cell phone just to gab. You can win people to Jesus over your cell phone. I had Baptist brothers winning people to Jesus, Methodist brothers winning people to Jesus on the way to the prison on cell phones. I'll never forget one phone call. A Methodist brother picked up the phone. The man said, I got the wrong number. He said, no, the best number you call all day long. Do you know Jesus? And he started leading him to Jesus. And a long story made short, this man ended up giving his life to Christ over a cell phone call. God has called us as a farmer. Work hard. Don't throw in the towel. It's hard work. Scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who desires to work in you. But give him something to work with. And some of you might look at this and say, Brother Russell, I fall short in many of these categories. And Timothy as well. And Paul closed with kind of an, admir an admonition. And he said, Timothy, remember Jesus. And I can't encourage you enough, church. If you feel like maybe you're falling short in some of these areas, would you remember Jesus? Greatest farmer that ever lived. Would you have loved to have been with him when he sowed the seed? Greatest athlete never broke a rule. And the greatest soldier, how many of you thank God he fought a fight? And he won the battle. And the teacher, how many of you would have loved to have been there to hear his parables? So I don't know where you are in life tonight. And I'm not one to say all heads bowed, eyes closed. Brother Russell, don't do that. If you bow your head, close your eyes, I don't know what's missing when you pick your head up again. I go to prison. So I'm, I'm real when I give people the opportunity to respond to God. But if you feel like you fall short tonight, how many of you would want to do better? Maybe as a farmer, sowing the seed. Maybe as an athlete, sticking to the rules. Maybe as a soldier, knowing my weapon, fighting a good fight of faith. And maybe as a teacher, teach what I know. And I got to know more. I got to know more. Because, by the way, the students of the evil one are getting wiser and wiser. And it takes the men of God to penetrate their hearts with the uncompromised word of God. And let me tell you something. God will never back off because God cares for souls. Tonight, he cares for souls. He cares for each and every one of us. So I want to encourage you as we leave tonight, there's a harvest field church. Would you go out and be that farmer, athlete, soldier, teacher? and allow God to use you. If you need prayer tonight, as we close, say, maybe Brother Russell, I'll fall a little short. I want to close in prayer. You got some prayer leaders here. If you know a person, you want to come pray with them, 
Brother Kelly's here. Some of the leaders are here. Maybe some of the home group leaders are here. I don't know. But I want you to go find them. And let's end this next couple of minutes in prayer. I'm going to turn this over to Brother Kelly. And uh, my wife and I are up here. If y'all need prayer, we're here with you. My wife, as a matter of fact, is going to go in the back and I'll be up front. But would you stand and let's dismiss in prayer. And if you need prayer tonight, come up front. Maybe go and find some people to pray with. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. Your word is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you for ministering to your body tonight, God. God, if there's a man or a woman that does not know you tonight, Father, I pray that they would surrender so they could be that farmer, that athlete, that soldier, that teacher. God, to be able to be useful in your hands and for your kingdom. Because, God, if they're not living for you, they're living for Satan. Father, I pray that they would surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. For those that are living for you, Father, I encourage them in their walk to not throw in the towel. Not throw in the towel, but to persevere like never before and be used in your kingdom for your purpose as you call us to sanctification. God, use us for your glory in Jesus' name.